0: Fox and Fallon, we are back. East Coast, West Coast. It's our first bicoastal podcast. This is a big deal for us. Tanya, say what's up from Cali.
1: This the sad part is that the weather is actually better where you are than where I am, and so. You know, this is kind of a bittersweet situation. You get to be home in in the beautiful summer weather of Boston, and I'm stuck here in gloomy L.A. What a what a turn we've taken.
0: It is much nicer here, and it's actually prevented me from going back to L.A. anytime soon. So, Tanya, I'll send you some sand from the beach.
1: I'll get my own sand. Thank you very much. And, in fact, I will be out there next week. So, you know, I'll be able to enjoy I'll be able to soak up all the good energy.
0: We got a jam-packed show for you, of course. The NBA Finals. Did the Raptors blow the must-win game of the season? We got Red Sox-Yankees, the biggest question here. Are the Red Sox on the wrong side of the world's best sports rivalry? Is their season over? The swan song, the honeymoon, is it it done? Uh, Slot receiver Adam Humphreys has some interesting topics uh, on why he thinks Tom Brady is too old to play with. We'll play with that audio and give our thoughts. And then finally, we do a little gimmicks and rants. And at the end of gimmicks and rants, Chef CRF. You heard about Chef Curry, Tom?
1: Chef CRF is kind of on a different level. Um, I'm pretty excited to hear from her. I, you know, it's her debut on the podcast, and I think it's time. I think it's the perfect time. We just talked about the fact that you're in Boston. We have, let's be honest, pizza in Los Angeles sucks, garbage. So we, you know, so we sent Chef CRF to, to to review a good local New England joint
0: because when Chef CRF gets cooking in the kitchen. She gives the hot takes. But now for our first topic that everyone's talking about, lamenting about how the Raptors lost game two of the NBA finals. They had a chance to take a commanding 2-0 series lead in Toronto with just about every player on the Golden State Warriors. Hurt, injured, limping to the locker room. The Warriors handed this game to the Raptors on a silver platter And they were still able to lose. And to be honest, Tanya, I really don't think that the Raptors are going to mentally, physically recover from this. Having to travel across to the West Coast, to the Oracle Arena, Kevin Durant is going to come back. Steph Curry is going to recover from whatever flu-like symptoms he had. The Raptors had this one in the bag, and they blew it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to come back from, you know, giving up an 18-0 run um, in, in the third quarter. That's that's how they started. Um, and then, you know, Clay's hurt and out in the fourth quarter. They lost Kavon Looney. Um, Kevin Durant obviously not playing. They're, this is where you, you grab that chance. You're playing in Toronto. Your team is healthy. You have the momentum. And there's just, like, those are the games that are must-win when you're going up against a team that's much more experienced in these situations than you that this is what people say about the Patriots every single year is that like they beat you purely because they know how to play in a big moment that experience is a big deal you know talent gets you to the playoffs and then all of the intangibles are what win championships and the Raptors have the intangibles in terms of their 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 talent and their teamwork and all that stuff. But if they can't win these kinds of games, there's no hope for them. Like, they, to go, up, going up two nothing. Now, granted, yeah. I don't even think that I would have necessarily given them a series advantage after going up two nothing. You know, it would, I would certainly have thought, okay, maybe it's going to seven. This just seems like, you know, now it's done. It's done.
0: For eight and a half minutes, the Warriors did not score a basket. When you have the chips stacked for you, like the Golden State Warriors did for the Toronto Raptors last night and you don't take advantage Paul Pierce saying after the game this is the type of performance that really hits you mentally physically
1: the crux of the point here is that the warriors are a deeper team than we i think we really realized during the regular season like we it looked like they just didn't have the kind of depth that they've had in the past Um, adding into this. And that's why, you know, they seemed a little bit vulnerable in the earlier rounds. Now, all of a sudden we're talking about clay being hurt. Katie hasn't played. And yet, you know, the two most important players on the court for them, in my opinion, are DeMarcus cousins last night. And yep. Draymond Green, who has been their, probably their best player top to bottom in the playoffs thus far. He's just, he's just turned it on, on to a new level. Um, you know, he got his ninth double-double um, in an NBA Finals last night. His ninth double-double in NBA Finals. And that's, that's as many as Michael Jordan had in his Finals career. Michael yeah. Jordan, who won six rings, played at six Finals. So, I mean, the guy is just, he he is a championship player he's julian edelman you know he just steps up in the biggest games and to me he's he's the mvp for them in this series and as long as he's on the court as long as him and steph are on the court it's like damn and then you now all of a sudden you add boogie into the equation who apparently can carry the load even offensively he is a very good offensive big man um which people uh, you know forget because we haven't seen him play that much so it's just like you you know you like to think like okay well if clay's hurt next game and katie's you know, not back, maybe the Raptors can pull one out. But then you look at all the other people that are stepping up and it's like, damn, dude, I don't know. I just, it's just, they are so good and they know how to, their players just know how to pull out their performances when they need them.
0: Well, uh, I will tell you one person that is uh, not happy that the Warriors are taking advantage of this, and that is Drake. He looked (laughs) miserable and pissed off in every single photo From game two. Can I preface this story. With a little backstory on the Drake curse. In the world of boxing over the weekend. Before the Raptors blew it in game two. Drake posted a picture. With Anthony Joshua. And said June 1st. On the caption Tanya. And then he lost. To Andy Ruiz Jr. Who was um, the human version of a grizzly bear from Maine.
1: Literally the most jacked dude of all time lost the heavyweight title to a man who quite literally looks like an offensive lineman without a shirt on like just <laughs> fat just yeah that I, I, like i'm not even exaggerating the man he there's no muscle tone he he looks like one of those old school boxers where they were just like they just get really fat and pound the crap out of each other you know to unseat somebody like that and win the heavyweight title when you're like you know there's this B- g- beautiful jacked specimen of a human being and Anthony Joshua. And then your know, Ruiz li- literally, I mean, he's as he's fat. Like it's, there's no muscle tone. There's nothing. He's just like a bruiser, you know, one of those old school boxers that was just like beefy and yeah, caught him right in the temple. And, and uh, it was, it was wild. So, you know, again, Drake can take down even the most elite of athletes. Quite remarkable.
0: How do you spell elite Tanya? W A R R I. O R S. I didn't spell push a T in that one. I'm not trying to push the Drake, the Drake curse that far, but it's not Drake.
1: It's it's. Listen, we. I mean, it's a great way to wrap this up because we basically just said the Warriors have this one in the bag, and uh, you know, I, it really appears that nobody with Drake on their side is ever going to win. Drake doesn't look too happy either to be
0: spending a hundred thousand dollars for uh, a courtside seat, stroking his beard with a sad face on. I, wait,
1: and, he pays for courtside seats. He has, like, some, like, he's, like, technically employed by the Raptors in some weird, like, capacity. He's, like, ambassador or something. No, he's so still, he
0: still pays for his—I remember when I covered uh, game six and seven of the NBA Finals, and he walked into the ticket office that I did a story on, and he dropped $150,000 on—, on Three courtside seats. He pays for his seats. A long
1: time ago. It's not, like, I'm telling you, dude, he has, like, she had, I forget what it is. He's some sort of ambassador. We should have done our homework on this. But there is, either way, he spends a lot of time and energy rooting for a team that's going to go down. I couldn't agree more. This is a perfect way to transition into two teams that Drake decidedly does not root for. Thank God. Yes. The, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, AL East rivals, the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, We are uh, noted Red Sox fans. Everybody that listens to the podcast knows that. And uh, the Red Sox are not doing well right now. They are eight and a half games back from the Yankees and they're in third place in the division. And, It's, you know, it's been a tough year for them. They're definitely having that post-championship slump. Meanwhile, the Yankees are really rolling. They are the team that everybody thought that they would be. And fans at this point, Courtney, are calling for Alex Cora's job because it wouldn't be Boston without a bunch of idiots calling for – score to be fired eight months after he led them to the greatest record in the history of the franchise and the most dominant top to bottom championship run in recent memory you know like god forbid we just waited out until the all-star break um I-, I know you were you were there and 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 you watched them and they've got some serious they've got some serious things to work on you can't win anything if the pitching is going to be as bad as it's been yeah but i have to say and i think you disagree with me on this I don't think I don't think eight and a half games back in at the beginning of June is enough to really press the panic button. Um, we've said before, you know, the season doesn't really start to really take form until the All-Star break. We're still a month away from that. And I and I'm ready to I, I do think that there's a chance that they can get this their, themselves together over the next couple of months. Now, Courtney, yes, let's we not forget the Yankees won 100 games last year. You know, like this was never gonna be an easy season. And I think everybody forgets that. I just do. I I
0: see here's here's my take. I saw I was able to see two baseball games last week. One at Fenway Park, one at Yankee Stadium. Hashtag blessed. Humble brag, humble brag. Um, but it was fun. First game, I went with my nephew, sat in the grandstand seats. It was glorious. They were hitting balls all over the park. It's a hitter's ballpark. They're gonna they're gonna play well at home. The starting pitching has been a problem this year. It's been a problem so much that I watched these starting pitchers, David Price, Rick Porcello, getting torn into, I mean, staying steady for three, four innings, and then five hits off of the bat. I mean, yeah. and, and my only problem with saying that Alex Cora's got to go, first of all, he it, starting pitching is not his problem. He's going to pick his exactly. five starters and and run them in the rotation are right. they doing their homework enough are the batters are is it is the pitching staff and the bullpen staff are they are they doing their due diligence to make adjustments for these pitchers throughout the season and i, I will say that i was a little alarmed when rick porcello is getting absolutely torn into in the fourth or fifth inning on Saturday night at, at you know at Yankee Stadium, I didn't see Alex Cora coming out to the mound to talk to his pitchers. That's the only thing that I would say. Hey, listen, if your pitcher's going to like have an issue or you start to see the wheels of the bus starting to unravel, uh, g- go out and visit your guy on the mound. Have Sandy Leone or one of your catchers like go out there and give him a little chit-chat. Have the pitching coach come out. To talk to they him. They
1: do have, They now. They. I think they instituted limits on how many times you can visit the mound in a game this year, right? I. I, I think that.
0: I'm not sure, but um. And then alluding to the to the bullpen, that's not much better, Tanya. Um. No. I,
1: it's, it's not great. And man. here's the they're, thing: they're, they're top to bottom, their pitching's a real hot mess.
0: I just Alex Cora is not going to get fired. That's just those are just the peanut gallery, just taking their brown paper bags and wheezing. Because this Red Sox team won 116 games last year, 108 in the regular season, and they're not really doing so well. The cure for bad pitching is always great hitting, and I will put this on the batters, start stringing hits together. Maybe Michael Chavis has to go back down. That was like, you know, the Swan song that was the nice story for a hot five minutes. Maybe he's not a major leaguer right now. There's ways to fix this, but Tanya, I think the Red Sox season is over. If they did not win that game last night, they, were, they would be nine and a half back. I think that that hasn't happened. The Red Sox being nine and a half games back of the Yankees in 10 years.
1: No, it's happened. It's happened pretty frequently in 2015, honest, like, five years. Not, like at the end of the day that you have to remember that the, this division has swung pretty, pretty significantly in July, August, and September, many times over the last 10 years. That's when this thing, when things really start to get crazy. And to your point that, you know, pitching, when you look at their pitching staff, especially the, their top three, so Porcello, David Price, and Chris Sale, I mean, Chris Sale's like got the worst record in baseball right now. It, it's not like a, this is an anomaly. You don't have three yeah. pitchers that good pitching this bad consistently. And, you know, pitchers go cold. Unfortunately, all three of these guys have gone cold at the same time. And it's really, it's really throwing off the rhythm of the team. Um, they're all, all three of them are much, much, much better pitchers than they are playing right now. I don't know what the fix is, and you're completely right that if if there's a disconnect with Cora or if they're not getting the sort of, like, work that they need, then this isn't going to get better. But you think, like, if those three guys string together a couple good starts in a row, and we know they have the offense, and we know they have the, you know, the at least the outfield defense – right? Yep. The, it, we're not so far off from them all of a sudden start, you know, you put together a good series against the Rays, get up, get up on them. You put it ugh, it swings the other way. So I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying, I still think that we have about six weeks until we fully see exactly where they're at.
0: Agree to disagree with your point, Tanya. I just think if they don't start kicking things into high gear, we're now in June. Um, they're going to, they're going to lose a handle on the wild card in the AL. Quite possibly. You know, I think I'm a little more optimistic than you are, but luckily this will be answered in due time, Court. Moving on to a little miscellaneous hot-button NFL topic. A little quiet in the news this week. That's fine. We are in the first week of June. Adam Humphreys, slot receiver, turning down a deal with the New England Patriots, was about pretty equal on his contract offer. Choosing to sign with the Tennessee Titans this offseason because he says that he has a lot of uncertainty about how long Patriots quarterback, Thomas Edward, Patrick Brady will play (laughs) telling Travis Haney of the athletic Tanya, obviously he's the goat that's simple, but there's so much that factors into a decision. It was a four year deal. Who knows how many years he's got left. There's a lot that goes into that. What are your thoughts? on Adam Humphreys, of all people, putting doubt that Tom Brady
1: will retire within the next four years. Well, Courtney, I have to say, as per usual, I did tweet about this very topic today, and Patriots Nation and I expressed our legitimate outrage over the fact that Adam Humphreys would have the balls (laughs) to say that he's worried that Tom Brady is not going to be around long enough, you know, to live out his contract, and then go play with Um, thing one and thing two down in Tennessee, Mariota and Tannehill, neither of whom have been able to stay healthy for more than four and a half seconds, like, as if that's a big step up. Like, you have a chance to go play with, like, with Tom Brady, how old Tom Brady for one or two years, and you take two guys, like, Mariota's actual, like, femur bone has been fused back together. Tannehill hasn't played since 2013. Uh, A full season, yes. This is an
0: insane thing to say. Although, you know, listen, I mean, maybe he's choosing to go to Patriots South. You do have practically the entire infrastructure of the Patriots organization, starting at the GM with John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, all the way down. I mean, they pick up Patriots players left and right. So maybe people are outraged because this is kind of like a first shock to the system and saying, hey, yeah, we're wishfully thinking that Tom Brady's going to play until he's 59 years old. Are you going to hate me by saying that I kind of agree with him?
1: Well, I mean, that's fine. Like, you're like you're wrong. But, I mean, it, it, the thing I, is, it's, it's, it's not about, like, it's not like I'm personally offended, and it's not like I don't realize Tom Brady might retire next year. I just, number one, someone will be a quarterback in New England. It's not like they won't have one, number one. And number two, like, even at, let's, let's say, let's say he was just like, hey, you know, I just want to be somewhere where, like, it's going to be stable and I'm going to go and I'm going to have a quarterback there that I can, like, 100% or I can rely on. They'll be there for four years as long as, you know, everything's okay with their health. He doesn't have that in Tennessee. Both of those guys are incredibly injury-prone. Neither of them have been able to stay consistently healthy, and neither of them have, like, a lot to show for the last their last three years in the league. So it's, you know, if he'd been going to the Packers or the Steelers or anywhere with, like, a, with a, a system in place that made sense. Even, like, the Rams with Jared Goff or anywhere where that made sense. The Titans are not the team you go to for quarterback stability. I, I agree.
0: I couldn't agree more. We're going to do a real quick give-me-more-go-away, and then I'm going to give my, uh, my chef CRF. I had to, like, you know, go downstairs and put on my, uh, my chef coat and sharpen my knives to give my review. So what's your first give-me-more-go-away
1: well, you know, I'm sticking with the Tom Brady topics this week, and I'm saying go away to uh, Tony Kornheiser complaining about Tom Brady's trademarking Tom Terrific. Um, I'll give you some backstory on this. Before I go into this, Tony Kornheiser's a legend. I love him. I think he's amazing. I truly like love the dude. But he went on um, a little rant this week because he found out that Tom Brady Um, was filing to trademark the nickname Tom Terrific. Now, it's a pretty obscure nickname that like people have kind of off and on referred to him over the years, Um, but the original Tom Terrific was Mets pitcher, legendary Hall of Famer Tom Seaver.
0: Of course, Tony Kornheiser, of all people, puts on his grouchy Jerry Seinfeld voice and is complaining about him taking a name of, like, an old-time pitcher that clearly does not even pale in comparison to who the real Goat, real Tom Terrific is. Continue.
1: Yeah, well, in no disrespect to Tom Seaver, like, he truly was, like, a 12-time All-Star, I think. Like, he's a truly, like, incredible player. But, again, in his 70s, um, doesn't exactly... It's not like if you say the words Tom Terrific, like, your brain automatically goes to Tom Seaver, unless you're a Mets fan. So my whole thing is, like, hey, Tony... Go away. The whole thing with trademarking is that anyone can try to do it. If Tom Seaver had wanted to, he could have easily done it, you know? And, like, I don't have the feeling that Tom Brady would ever be a dick about Tom Seaver using the nickname. You know, like, if if Tom used it down the line, pretty sure Brady would let it go. Nobody respects the baseball pitching game more than Tom Brady, former pitcher himself. He's a businessman, and he's making business decisions. And, you know, I'm done with it. Go away. I like it. I like you going after the <laughs> old men complaining. It's
0: kind of fun. It's totally, totally on brand for Tanya. What do you got today, Court? You going away or are you giving me more? I'm giving you more. And I know we've talked about this on the podcast. On the Fox and Fallon show, we've got some gripes against Antonio Brown. I think, I, I don't even want to get into it because it just will make my blood boil. Um, we are completely Team Juju. So Team Juju. I don't know what Fortnite is. But I would play some Fortnite and some old school Super Mario, pull up my GameCube with the little mini discs, and I would play some games with Juju Smith-Schuster. He seems like my type of guy. He's just so lovable, so fun. And Juju just hit another one out of the park.
1: Tell me everything about what he has done to earn such high praise from the Fox and Fallon podcast. Caught my eye, Tanya. Popped up on my Instagram feed wearing a turquoise velvet
0: bespoke suit with another gentleman next to him wearing an identical velvet bespoke suit prom with my bro Anthony M099 got a dm from him a while back about needing someone to go with immediately the first reaction was oh hey he dm'd him to look to see if he could pick up a chick but no Tanya Anthony M099 he's gay and the boy that he was going to go to prom with Blew him off. I have to have some serious sympathy with that because I was left by my ex-boyfriend at prom. My mother to this day still talks about how my high school boyfriend left me at prom. So I, I you know, this it tickles my heartstrings a little bit. So he asked Juju to go with him to prom and Juju put on matching suits and went with this kid. Juju, you are awesome. And I think for the first merch launch for Fox and Fallon, we need Team Juju T-shirts.
1: Can we do that? Yeah, I'm, we should do like a Patriots fans for Juju <laughs> campaign.
0: Wait, I think I think that would work. I think yeah. I think I think you know just to, to appropriately, we're working on our merchandise. If you have any ideas for the Fox and Fallon uh, T-shirts, we're currently in the process of developing those. But yeah, Patriots fans for Team Juju. If the Steelers continue to suck, then a lot more people will be on the Team Juju bandwagon.
1: I mean, Patriots fans should really be a big fan of Steelers because they always manage to blow it just in time for us to be able to make it to the nice, clean sweep to the Super Bowl. So let's be honest.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree more. All right, Tanya, um, I did some traveling on the East Coast, as we mentioned. I flew to Boston to visit my family and a couple meetings, a couple very, very important meetings in New York City. So I took my dad's truck. I'm calling it Big Sexy. Just like Bartolo Cologne, this thing is big and sexy. It's a nice big Honda truck. I traveled down the East Coast uh, to New York and I was all over. I have to say that driving in New York City is the biggest clusterfuck I've ever experienced in my life. My middle name used to be jaywalking. Like I was the queen of jaywalking. The amount of people that gave me a heart attack of just walking in front of my car with green lights, like literally just staring me in the face, which I used to do, just uh, made me question my actions. When I lived in New York city, but what really made my day in my trip was heading up the East coast back to Boston today. And I decided to make a little stop in new Haven. Now, as you know, uh, an ode to our friends at Barstool sports, Mr. Dave Portnoy is the pizza King. And, uh, I almost got into Lake a head on collision, flipping through this one bite pizza app, trying to find the best pizza in new Haven. Cause of course, if I'm going to do it, I got to do it big. All the good spots were closed today, but I got some Frank Pepe pizza and I missed the uh, the rush. I mean, I went to go get gas and came back and this line was out the door, at at least an hour away for pizza. I scooped up a white spinach mushroom pizza with Fontina cheese and then did a plain cheese. Prez rated this an 8.5 and I gotta say it was very close to that. A lot of people were wondering whether it was 8.5. What? what? Listen, ton. All right. So what do you, you think? You saw the pictures. This was very, very good pizza. All right. So I, I gave people the option. Do you think that my rating is going to be lower than prices or higher? What was your prediction?
1: I think that because you've been on the West Coast in LA where there's not good pizza, truly very, very slim options out here, that maybe your standards are a little... Lower than they would be. You're craving a good East Coast slice more than usual. So I would say higher.
0: I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go with an 8.5. I'm okay. not going to disrespect. I can't disrespect Prez's rating. Um, I'm not going to go higher because it's based on the cheese slice. Now, granted, I got the cheese slice. And then I got this white truffle mushroom Fontina craziness. If we were rating it based on that slice, I would go 8-9. That pizza is out of control. And I ate it cold when I dropped it off to my parents today. Fire. Straight fire. But
1: since we're going just the plain slice,
0: I'm going to go 8-5.
1: I love a good white pizza slice. Like, as soon as I saw that picture of the, you know, the Spanish and... And Florentine or whatever, the white one. Ugh, that's like right up my, uh, my alley. It was, I don't want it right now.
0: It was so good. When we finish the podcast, I might just dive into one more slice. Um, and then I'm going to shut off all carbs for the summer because the East Coast pizza and the bagels, it's starting to hug my hips a little bit. And that's all the time we got today for the Fox and Fallon podcast. Check us out later this week. We'll have full reaction. From Bruins Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Who is going to break the 2-2 tie first? Tanya's got the Bruins. Can't lie, bandwagon queen over here. Has the hometown team pulling it out as well. Thanks for listening. See you later.